0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Discuss the Expanse. It's been a minute since we've been on. Um, I am uh, I am Nick. I'm a, a creative contributor to thediscmedia.com. We do uh, movie reviews, reactions. Sometimes we do watch parties. Um, and we also do after shows, much like this one. I am uh, joined by my my co-host here. How you doing today, man?
1: Doing well, doing well. Glad to be back after having a little bit of a break. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun to talk about the Expanse today, for sure.
0: Yeah, so uh, uh, we are a little later on this one. So a lot of you guys may have quite completely finished the season, but this should be kind of a fun refresher. I know a lot of people... They can't get enough expanse so they might have had a break and now they kind of want to hear our take and and dive in on this one here Um, what we're going to do is just because we are behind we're going to go ahead and cover four and five together in this episode so we'll go ahead and start with four we'll do a recap and then afterward we'll go ahead and give our um our overview our thoughts on the episode and some predictions on at this point where we thought the show was going to be going and then we'll jump into episode five after that and kind of do the same thing here um with that being said can you tell me what the title and the writer for episode four is
1: For sure. So episode 604 is called Redoubt. Uh, It was written by Dan Nowak and the director was Anya Adams.
0: Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the recap for episode four. Um, We're kind of going to speak on the characters, character arcs that were in the episode there. So we're not we're not going to really dial into scene by scene specifically, but we're going to just talk about the different character arcs here. Um, It does start like all episodes do on Laconia. So we're getting a kind of funeral about the, uh, the, her brother that was, uh, that was killed. It was funny too, because when I found out kind of how he was killed, it was like a, uh, they had like a, a, a subtle foreshadow of it. I think there was an episode where she was running through the forest and this guy like sped by on his, um his like whatever land speeder. I don't know, whatever you want to call those like go-kart <laughs> yeah. looking thing. And uh, he kind of said, watch out. And it it was like, I guess that was their way of subtly foreshadowing what was going to happen to the brother there. But, yeah, he did. uh, He did pass. And um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was this scene introduced new character. And there's also another new character that's introduced later in the episode as well. Um, But we get Admiral Duarte, who talks to Kara, our um, uh, girl in Laconia there, and has a speech with her about kind of... uh, you know, righteous sacrifices, essentially, and about how, you know, this is, uh, you know, he did, he did die, but um, what they're doing there is important. And it's gonna, it's gonna be for the greater good in the long run and everything here. Um, So we did get introduced to that new character, which, uh, from my understanding, is a pretty prominent character in the book. So it was kind of a a hint or not, at least to that character on the, uh, you know, this late in the season, kind of giving him a really cool scene like that. Um, But yeah, what was your scene on uh, the thoughts on this whole Laconia thing, especially um, I think it was in this episode that she ends up she ends up stealing her brother's body, too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it has that part uh, towards the end Mm -hmm. where uh, she she sends them. Yeah. So I really liked I really liked this beginning part um, because Duarte comes in and you can tell he's some he's kind of got this like visionary uh, type type feel to him, mm-hmm. and and that he's someone who has like this goal, this dream of what Laconia could be. And as he talks to uh, Kara about this, uh, you can tell that he's trying to almost uh, seed this same sort of feeling into her as he's kind of talking about the greater good, the heroic sacrifice, uh, how he felt about uh, her never getting to see Paris, things like that. Mm. And uh, from from my understanding, again, he, he does become extremely prominent uh, in books seven through nine. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, to, to kind of see this character uh, just because I know he is someone who hints at the future of the Expanse. We don't know if there's going to be anything after this, uh, but knowing that they felt like he was important enough to include mm-hmm. uh, does inspire me to at least want to read those books to to figure out what the rest of his story is and and where Laconia is going. So I liked it. I, I thought he was cool.
0: Yeah, it's an, it's a sign that he's at least in the blueprints. If something's greenlit, he's, they've, they've kind of made it known that he's kind of going to be a part of whatever that eventual story is, if it ever gets told essentially forever lucky enough for it to get told. Um, so to kind of cap off the Laconia stuff too, she does kind of steal her, her brother's body there. Um, at this point you were probably thinking the same thing I was right. I think we talked about this in the last episode when she took the, um, when she saw that the bird was resurrected, we were like, "Oh well, we think that she's gonna take her her brother to do the same thing." And that's exactly kind of what occurs. She steals her brother's bodies and then goes out to where the dogs are. So you kind of get that implication there. Um, but it goes from that scene. Um, we the next kind of character moment that I wanted to talk about, or at least the arc that we wanted to hit on, um, was uh, the other new character. I thought so. This 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 uh this episode introduced Tadeo, who is like a new. Um, a new character that we haven't been introduced yet. He's a tech, like a maintenance technician, I believe, for the Pella. And uh, Philip is introduced to him. And it really serves as Philip's way of kind of seeing the uh, boots on the ground effect of his father's leadership, somebody that's kind of like like would, would be like the normal belter in this situation and somebody kind of far removed from leadership that's that's kind of dealing with the effects of Marco's leadership, potentially. Um, what did you think of Tadeo, that, that introduction to that character and kind of how he bounced off with Philip uh, in this episode?
1: Yeah, you know it, it was cool because uh, Philip Philip had two characters over the course of this season that i feel were supposed to be the ones that kind of like tie him to uh like the belter mentality right so you have uh you have you had his friend who had the fake alligator or the real alligator vest or whatever it was um mm-hmm. and and the premiere that he killed um and then when he was more lost and now you have Tadeo who comes in and Phillips Still lost, but in a different way, I feel like. Um, He's still he still got that conflict in him of, of where he is ultimately going to end up. And I like the kinship that the two of them share in this episode. Uh, Tadeo kind of looks at things a little bit more practically instead of the, the romanticized way that I feel uh, Philip's other friend looked at it. And so that kind of gives Philip the ability to just be a little mm. bit. Um, instead of having to feel like, uh, at least towards the beginning of the episode, that he has to show that he's, you know, Marcos' prince in this revolution. Um, so I really liked the, the back and forth between the two of them. And uh, it actually surprised me by how uh, well-developed that friendship felt right off the bat. So yeah. I like how it was successful.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that last point too because it's a uh, it's it's really impressive that in this episode, especially this late in the game and the fact that they had to pack all this stuff into this last season, that they still took the time to introduce these characters and these characters felt uh they felt, you know, legitimate. They felt very solid. They felt um like they were given enough material to really uh kind of make them feel fleshed out and not like uh just kind of random new new people that you're like, "Wait, why are we talking to this person? You know, why are we spending airtime on this person?" And even though Tadeo was more uh he was more like a narrative mirror for philip to kind of help with his development essentially uh than his own person um it was still uh, he was just still a well-form, well-formed character and he again i think he shows us politically what uh the the negative effects of marco's leadership among these belters are and kind of uh, highlights that manipulation the other really big plot point um from 4 that we need to talk about is holden so holden's major decision at the end of the last episode was um, at the last minute to disarm the nuke that they shot at the Pella to keep Marco essentially in the game. Um, and he did that because he didn't want to uh, essentially kill Naomi's kid in front of her. Um, but in this episode, uh, kind of pretty soon after, Clarissa finds that uh, she f- she finds the proof that Holden, in fact, did disarm it, gives it to Amos. Um, so this episode is really about Holden kind of having to come to, um, come to his different crew members that know and uh defend that decision essentially so amos confronts him about it and wonders kind of what we're fighting for he's for for the longest time in the series he is uh he's kind of gone with anything holden says and does and really feels and trusts his leadership and in this moment that starts to falter and he starts to wonder what are what are they out here fighting for if they're not to take out this terrorist, uh, you know, Marco, that they've been that's caused so much carnage on Earth? And he was part of he was in Baltimore when those blasts came. So it's very personal for Amos too. Um, trying to get this guy. Uh, but uh, he does talk to Amos. He also talks to Naomi and explains his decision to her. Um, And then he also talks to Clarissa because Clarissa did know about it as well. So what did you think about the scenes, the interpersonal scenes between the characters and Holden having to defend that decision with everybody? You know, it's
1: so it's so interesting, the order uh, that they go in, that it goes from Amos to Naomi and then ends with Clarissa. Uh, I, I thought that his kind of tour of understanding was uh, really well done because it makes sense why Amos would be upset uh, because uh, he's talked about in the past how he doesn't really know what's good or bad. So he finds people that he thinks are good and he kind of trusts them with that. And so, Amos, uh, for, for Amos, Holden was that person. Holden really did give him that support and, and that direction. And so, when something as big as this happens, and Amos is like, that dude's the bad guy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's all on us. How was how that the right decision? I, I trusted you to do that, to guide me, to lead me. And if you're not going to do it, I, what am I doing out here? Yeah. And uh, that does lead to some really interesting, like, Amos stuff later on. Um, but the the follow-up with that with Naomi, I thought was uh, was really good. Because he was like, I can't be this person who kills your son. And then, you know, like, love you like this. Because that's going to come back. And, and I couldn't do it. In that moment, I made that decision that I wasn't going to be the person who takes his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes to show you that, like the amount that holden does love naomi uh, because he is willing to basically put other lives in danger because he doesn't want to hurt her son and this takes me back to one of our earlier conversations about how uh i think it was philip how everything that he did after that whole attack all those lives were going to be on him right Mm -hmm. and now it's like those lives that are lost after this are on holden they had a chance and he and he uh stopped it so yeah. in him, him as that hero as that driving force uh i i thought that was a good conflict but to put that conflict against his love i like that interpersonal struggle but my highlight was the conversation between clarissa and uh holden and my favorite line is when he's kind of talking to her and she says don't ever feel bad about not killing someone mm-hmm. Uh, because it it shows you the regret that she has um, for her actions and the things that she's done and how she feels like she's had a second chance. And so she's going to support life in this case. She doesn't want to kill people anymore. So while it shows Clarissa's growth, it also helps Holden, I feel, deal with some of the feelings of his crew, but also kind of confirm that he feels like he made the right decision. Without necessarily telling him that he did, so I I just like that conversation because she still, after everything has happened, understands the value of life, and and I think Holden needed to hear that after hearing everybody else's uh, thoughts on it. But what do you think?
0: Yeah, well, that's a that's kind of a trend with this episode that I found too was um, the really really great character interactions between everybody. They were so tailored to each other, and I thought that was great because, like you said, Clarissa is really the only one in the crew that can give him that advice at that time. That person that she's she's obviously done some really terrible things, and she's already already shown remorse for it um, in this season, where she's talked to Holden previously about how she felt disgusted when she would hit she would bite on her mods and and attack people. But that whole her her saying you should never feel bad about not killing someone has so much more weight to it than if someone just said that uh you know someone just said that kind of in passing because he knows that she's been down that route and she obviously regrets it um and that also kind of brings up you know his conversation with Naomi um it, yeah you you were definitely right about like if there if there are any you know killings that Marco does after this Holden's going to feel responsibility for that but the thing i thought was Great about the scene was that by proxy Naomi is too. Naomi felt like you've done this now, and now like when this stuff happens, it's it's on me because you you wanted to protect my feelings. That's why you did made that decision. So it's kind of both of them realizing that they're, they're having to take ownership for something they didn't want to in that moment. But um, it was a really good scene because you can see her frustration and why she would be so upset about that. But at the same time, you can see Holden side of saying like, yeah, but then like if that happened, our relationship is essentially over because <laughs> you'll never yeah. look at me the same way. So it was a really uh, morally gray uh, area there. The Rosenfeld. I want to talk about Rosenfeld. Um, In this episode, she is holding everything together. I was really I was kind of impressed with her character this entire episode because she's really having to uh, prop up these fragile male egos of Philip and Marco in different ways. And kind of uh, she's she's really having to hold everything together. And at this moment in this episode is where I kind of uh, I was really starting to feel excited about her as a future antagonist, because I remember thinking, wow, she's like. She's she doesn't have the emotional um, kind of uh, uh, narcissism that uh, that Marco has. And she's obviously she's she's obviously stronger and and more um, mature than Philip is. So she kind of represents them without their character flaws. And Mm -hmm. she was she was kind of um, having to mediate uh, during this war. She was just kind of having to mediate these really fragile male egos throughout the whole thing. And I thought she was really great. Um, She had an awesome line where. I think she was talking to Philip and he says, you don't know me. You don't know my father. He's like, what would he do if I shot you in the face? And she said, I don't know. He'd feel really guilty and send money to my family and pretend it's remorse. And <laughs> I was just like, Oh shit. <laughs> I was just like, that was savage. But I was really impressed with Rosenfeld. Did you, uh, did you notice anything with her in this, in this episode as well?
1: Yeah. So I, at this point in the season, uh, before I watched episode five, mm-hmm. uh, I had, I had a thought that Marco was going to die by betrayal. Like, like I thought that Rosenfeld was going to essentially just kind of get sick of it, because um, if it feels like she was starting to see the cracks in the armor uh, in this episode uh, yeah. a lot more, and was, and we know that she had talked about wanting to uh, take uh, control, right, as as the mayor of uh, Medina Station, I think she said, mm-hmm. uh, and so like she had these goals and aspirations, and I could see her being someone who if she felt like marco wasn't eventually going to get her there that she was going to need to take a stand for the good of the war so uh she she was someone that was impressive to me because she is so steady so consistent and like you said she's kind of like them without their character flaws yeah uh which which i really thought was uh, an interesting second to have as as marco because he you know tries to figure out what she wants and he is so passionate and so passion driven and for her to just be like essentially the perfect soldier uh she she was impressive she's almost like she's almost like a, a bobby or an amos except a little less crazy mm-hmm. uh, and and she she understands war without romanticizing it i think and i think that's one of the key differences uh between them that makes her worth having to mediate between philip and and uh marco so yeah, I really she's,
0: like she's so much more fit for leadership you know i just the whole time i'm watching it, i'm just like why she she would be so much better <laughs> as like the leader of this resistance and i mean i say that not like even though i'm not for the uh, mm-hmm. for the the resistance or, or whatever mm-hmm. they're uh, fighting for uh the free navy i'm sorry she would be such a better leader for the free navy uh just just from like a practicality standpoint um I wanted to talk about uh one other thing which is we've talked in the past episodes that it seemed like the one person that's had a really really uh clear series arc from the very beginning of the series to now has been Sarala And I think this is um she you know she doesn't have a huge port uh part in this in this episode here. Um, but this was extremely probably one of the more important uh, uh episodes for her character in my opinion because this is the episode that really, um, cemented in that full, we've come full circle and she's now this different person because um, the the they're dealing with the fallout of the bombing on Ceres. And this is a key moment where Avasaral is now secretary general, where she can either choose to go the route that she would have gone in season one, which is just to go out. Or it's all about Earth at this point. Um, push everyone away um, or or try to take it out on the Belters and say that the Belters did this attack. We should like, you know, diplomatically uh mm-hmm kind of distance ourselves from the belt. Um, and she makes that decision that no belters were killed too. We, we have, we, in this moment, we have to be the bigger person. We have to take a stand here. And I think that decision represents that full arc of her character from season one to now. Um, and, and she does, she does go along in that, in that way for the next uh, two episodes as well. But this felt like the moment that, that, that finally cemented itself in where she, she had every reason to abandon the belt and she chose not to. Um, so yeah, if, if you, uh, and then also the stuff with Monica recording all the carnage on series. But did you get that feel too, that this really felt like a kind of uh, a, a flip switch for, for Avasarala's character in the series?
1: Absolutely. I think if I'm looking at series long arcs, Avasarala's is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think like, like you said, there's a clear arc that is there as she goes from earthbound thinking to people-bound thinking. Um, and I really liked when she stood up and I'm glad that you called out the line about belters died there, too Because we have that MCRN captain who's just kind of talking about like this is what we're willing to commit These are the people that died. Uh, we don't owe the belters anything Look what you did and look what they're still doing and mm-hmm. she's like belters died, too and That sets up and, and and like you said, this is a little scene, but it sets up the end of the series mm-hmm. um, very well and I think for Avasarala in this case, her seeing the carnage, her wanting to do this, she recognizes that there has to be another way. And that's just her character at this point. She has truly been changed by the things that have happened when the rocks hit earth, the loss of her husband, I think was another big uh, element that still comes through that we still feel um, because he he was always the one who like, kind of felt like her humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When she was being this ruthless political leader um, and then he died. And she's seen a lot of things. She's experienced a lot of things. And now she's carrying that spirit forward and it's causing her to make really interesting choices, uh, not just for Earth, but for the entire system. And so I love Avasarala and everything that she's done thus far
0: absolutely and then um to to cap off this episode we're going to talk about drummer's uh situation here that happened in the episode which um we you know they decided that they were going to try to uh, raid one of um marco's supply depots uh with the golden bow um and this is kind of where they actually do that raid they go there um and then things go south uh predictably um there's a number of um of people that work for the free navy Uh, i think they said that they were they were anticipating doing a drop there. So they had guards essentially there at the supply depot. Um, they take out a couple members of their team. And then uh, there's a big firefight with drummer in them. And then it, it ends up uh, with an accident that occurs and Joseph uh, gets his arm pinned down. And um, what's the girl's name? Uh, Michio has to come in and essentially perform uh, a, a hastily done amputation of his arm. Uh, which is a really kind of traumatic scene for her, and this this uh, this season has really just been about drummer. Um it, it's been a great arc for her because it's it's really just been about her losing her family. So at the end of last season, it was uh there was a big divorce uh, where half of her family went in one direction, half the other. So she already was operating with limited people that she really felt uh, and, and cared about. And and then this in this episode, this happens, and it seems like uh, she's had these traumatic experiences where her family just keeps going through these awful things, and she seems to be. Um, she seems to she's not being rewarded uh, for going against Marco and that, and it's it's really taking a toll on her, her family and stuff there. So what did you think about the drummer's raid and then the amputation and stuff? And then we're also going to go into her big speech at the end, which was a highlight of the episode for for me personally. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to touch on that as well.
1: I'm actually really pleasantly surprised that the focus has been continuing for drummer to lose this family mm-hmm. uh, because she did care about him. Uh, And, and she did kind of have this whole other life with them and just watching, watching them slowly fall away, uh, has been really tragic for her. And it's like, she's trying to catch smoke. You know what I mean? She can't, Mm -hmm. she can't keep a grip on them. Um, but when she starts this raid, uh, my first thought was, oh, something's going to go wrong. Like there's, this is going to go bad. I thought it was going to be, uh, Walker getting shot. That was my prediction as we went into the scene. Um, but what was really cool was that Michio sticking around was rewarded. Nobody else was able to do this amputation, but mm-hmm. Michio was able to do it. And so even, even though there had been this, this fracture in the family and she had not been able to press the button earlier in the season, uh, Drummer still kept her around. She didn't, she didn't leave her there. She was still there supporting. And she was there when Joseph needed her, because without mm-hmm. that, Joseph would have died. Um, so I really, I really thought that was a interesting place. And I felt bad for my guy props to the visual effects uh, department and makeup because that, that arm was grisly. Yeah. Uh, that, that was brutal to it's look at. It's a brutal
0: scene. It reminded me of that James Franco movie. Remember he has to cut, he gets his arm pinned in the rock <laughs> and he has to cut the arm. his arm off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude.
1: Yeah. It was, that that was, woo, they had some yeah. meat on that one uh but yeah i i love that and and i i was really excited for it um and
0: then drummer
1: and then, speech i was gonna say, and, and then drummer speech i didn't know if you wanted to talk about this scene or if you wanted to go straight to drummer speech but the juxtaposition of drummer speech and the philip conversation was excellent because mm-hmm. you have these two that feel so strongly about the belt and and what what they're going to do like drummer just had like she just had such good lines in the entire speech because everyone's listening and, and she's, she's speaking to like the the whole system, anyone who's going to listen to what she has to say. And uh, there's, there's a specific part uh, that I really enjoyed that she said, give me a second and I'll pull it up. So she's like, you hunted me and mine and we are still here unbent, unbroken and unbowed. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh she then, she yeah oh, go ahead she 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 just killed it she just uh, killed it i know um, i was
0: hype i was like cheering when that whole i was sitting there clapping like go go tell him keep going like i was so hype in that scene um uh, my favorite my favorite line was she said live sh- live shamed and die empty i was just like oh god damn <laughs> like yeah like yeah marco had to feel that one man and she the way and uh especially um uh, uh, is it Kara uh, G? I think is the actress that did that. She delivered yeah. that with such like such intensity, and I just I was just sitting there like, oh my god, Marco had to have felt that through the screen. Like that was that was intense,
1: especially because she's a belter. Like mm-hmm. she is her own belter, so it's not like you know one of the inners are saying this stuff. Yeah. She is she is calling him out as a belter as part of his people, and she's like, you called yourself a champion and then you ran. Like she mm-hmm. is just murdering him with yeah. words and and undermining him and basically reaching out to belters who feel the same way and he knows he knows that she she's dangerous yeah uh, and I love I love that whole speech
0: and and then it's capped off with philip's response to that speech which was also really really good uh it really made sense for his character they they've done a good job at at tying the strings as to why philip would make that choice there with the stuff happening with T- tadeo and i think it's this desperate point for philip where he's realizing that if you know, if this doesn't work, if if uh, if they aren't successful and I think they're all starting to feel the feel the pressure of maybe this isn't going to work, um, then it was all for nothing. All the people that he's killed, all the earthers that he feels guilty for, that his mother has kind of uh, made him realize that maybe he's done these terrible things. It's all for nothing. And I think that desperation leads him to make that uh, big speech at the end, that fiery speech to try to get everybody on, back on board um, there. But I thought that was a good end for the for the scene as well
1: something that I want to point out to um, props to the actor who plays Philip. Uh, I think his name is pronounced Josiah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a part where he says, this is war. And the delivery of him saying that sounded just like Marco and mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like the way his face did the, the sound, the, the growl when he said, yeah, war. And I was like, that is his father coming through. Yeah. And he didn't have to say it like that, but he was like, it was like, you could tell that he was like channeling his dad's energy. And yeah. I
0: was just so impressed by that line reading. and and that's a great point because i thought the same thing i just said his phillips i I think i wrote in my note phillips response felt like marco and specifically what you're saying when he said war i think if you watch the speech that he gave early in the season where he's talking to the belters on series you can match those and it's just like i think i think i don't know if he studied that scene or something but he got the exact same inflection that marco did in that scene it was great but to a broader point the casting of him was just Amazing because if you were to put pictures of those two actors in like one of those, like, uh, one of those mashing, like, uh, if they had a kid things, it would look oh, like yeah. Philip. Like, it's so they look exactly like a uh, mix between, um, Dominique Tipper and, uh, and and the actor that plays Alexander beyond alexander yeah it's crazy how like he looks like such a perfect blend um though so it it, when he was first cast i remember thinking oh my god where do they find this kid because he looks exactly like them but yeah his delivery was amazing there so i thought that speech at the end was like oh they're gonna they're gonna see philip as a leader now so i thought when he gave that speech that they were gonna maybe see him in that light and then he was gonna have a lot more clout when it came time to mutiny marco that was my thought essentially at the time but yeah that wraps up episode four we're gonna hop into episode five here it's really kind of cool that we're covering both of these because they both felt of the same ilk for me like they they all they both felt like it, these these two episodes were really just doing a lot of the character legwork and a lot of the writing legwork to set up that final finale for uh episode six um but episode five uh can you give me the title and the writer and director for episode five
1: Yeah, for sure. So episode 605 is called Why We Fight. Uh, It was actually written by Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, a.k.a. James S.A. Corey, the creators of The Expanse. Uh, And this episode was also directed by Anya Adams, which probably helps to serve why episodes four and five kind of felt like two halves of the same story. We had a similar director. uh, We were having similar character uh, scenarios in in these two episodes. So that's probably why we kind of felt that cohesive uh, nature to the episode.
0: The episode starts where again we start on Laconia, like we normally do here. Um, her brother has gone missing, and he has been revived by the strange dogs, um, and he's been revived in a very, uh, very strange way. So um, I got I got pet cemetery vibes from this uh, the whole time. The proto molecule stuff. It also reminded me of in season one where Joe is uh, with Julie Mao on the um, on the the ship that's flying into Venus. It had the way he was seeing stuff through his eyes and the way he was talking incoherently. It felt like Julie Mao in that moment. So I like that they kind of they kind of merged those and kind of made those kind of symptoms, I guess, feel the same. Um, but yeah, there's, he's obviously there's something different about him. There's something weird about him. Um, and I got that that feeling from the uh, the beginning of the episode where she's she's kind of talking to him and stuff here. Did you also get the Pet cemetery feeling as well? <laughs> Just like
1: uh, 100% it, <laughs> yes. Pet cemetery was my thought. Yeah. Like, I watched it. I was like, there's got to be like uh, an allusion to this. Like, it made me want to rewatch Pet Cemetery and be like, all right, like, did they purposely, like, they had to have been thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but I loved it because it was the expanse getting weird again. Um, I, love, I love the interpersonal relationships of The Expanse. I love the human-on-human conflict and kind of how like this weird alien stuff is happening in the periphery and it sometimes affects it. Um, but it's also really exciting when they dive into it. And we have this brother-sister relationship where her brother dies and she is like, all right, let's see if he comes back. And he does. Mm-hmm. And it made me, it just filled my mind with so many things. I'm like, all right, is he alive, alive? Is he protomolecule alive? Kind of like Julie Mao coming back, right? Um, and then being able to interact with Miller uh, back in uh, season two, I believe that was. And uh, I was just thinking like, okay, he's like plugged in so to speak but he's free walking so it just it just kind of had all these thoughts and, and i'm like what do the dogs do like do they take him someplace do they is there someone else who works on these things that that die how how does this function and so it, it brought up a lot of really interesting questions yeah. about peconia and, and what they're going to build that up to
0: Yeah. Speaking of interesting questions, there was a couple like stuff that I wanted to dial into on this scene that I was wondering, and, and, um, I don't know that we got answers to this, uh, for eight. So this is maybe something that, that is, is kind of one of those threads that we said would, would, could potentially be picked up if they, if we're lucky enough to get that. Um, but he says, uh, something when he's talking incoherently about being in substrate. Um, and I thought that that kind of raised the flag for me. And I said, what is that? What do they mean by that? And, uh, substrate is, uh, a vessel for nourishment or something. So being in substrate is like you're you're a vessel for nourishment, which makes me think that the proto molecule acts as like a, a parasite or kind of feeds off of its host essentially. Um, it's it's uh, substrate is something that an organism feeds off of to grow. And he says he is uh, he is in substrate. So that would obviously mean for the proto molecule here. Um, I remember also thinking if. Uh, the admiral's speech to her in the last episode was about this big sacrifice for a greater good. And I was wondering if that served a dual purpose of also foreshadowing this and this being like, he's this sacrifice for mm-hmm. the proto molecule to kind of finally find a human host and, you know, or something like that. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was: uh, Do you remember? So the stuff with Prax and and Jules Pierre Mao doing the experiments on kids with proto molecule yes. stuff. Do you remember yes. what was? Because I I didn't I didn't kind of look this up or look back into it. But do you remember what was special about kids being experimented on? Did it say that like kids had some certain physiology that like meshed well with it or something?
1: Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, uh, they did it with kids because they were the ones who were able to retain the proto molecules like augmentation um okay. over adults. And so that's why they started like reaping children. Um, because then the kids could like be observed over time. The proto molecule didn't like burn them out. Like, right. Or
0: or or they didn't like turn into husks. Those like husks that would like attack people, right? So they were able to kind of take on the proto molecule without it without it like going completely crazy. And they were able to kind of uh uh I guess uh they were able to kind of mesh with it better, right? <laughs> um yeah. So I I was thinking about that, too, because I remember thinking, like, oh, well, it's a kid, so it makes sense that this, with the experiments that they did in Season 3, I think, with Prax, um, would make sense uh, how it's working here. But, yeah, I thought that was fun, and hopefully uh, we kind of get those storylines kind of fleshed out at some point. Uh, You know, fingers crossed. I'm sure everyone watching this is thinking the same thing. But um, it then goes to uh, the MCRN, uh, goes against Avasarala. They raid the Ring Gate, um, and then they get just immediately like smashed. Like they just get like taken out crazy fast. Um, and this introduces, uh, this also sets the stakes and also sets the stakes for episode uh, six and also introduces these proto-molecule rail guns, mm-hmm. which uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm assuming these rail guns are the thing that we saw ominously coming out of the ring gate at the end of one of the episodes that was supposed to be this, whatever Marco was getting from Laconia. Um, I'm assuming there's these proto-molecule-laced ring guns or something.
1: Yeah, because they, they have it on that little like, inner planet, right? Like on the, mm-hmm. on the base of that planet. And it was crazy because when they did it, I, at first I thought it was like the slow rule was popping up again. Uh, but nope, it's just a really strong AF raid gun. Yeah. And that thing cleared out that entire little MCRN fleet like that. Yeah. Um and so it showed it showed Marcos uh deadliness and and what laconia was uh able to come up with just based on the research they've been doing for however long they've been on
0: that side of the ring we finally got marco's knife in the darkness he talks about which is that's the one he had right that was his knife in the darkness and it was a pretty formidable one um, that that obviously took out those mcrn ships and also set up that he pretty much owns the ring gate at that point uh the ring gates are kind of his once that's there um, I want to hop into Ava Sorala's arc in this uh, episode. So she is f- she finds out about these proto molecule railguns, obviously with the unsuccessful mission from the MCRN, and realizes from the pictures that they have that he's pretty much got a stranglehold over the ring gate and. Um, and that's a really, really big problem. And once he, you know, they're, they're having, they have a ticking time clock now where Marco is heading to the ring gate to kind of take command of these rail guns and be on the other side of the ring gate there. And they have to make a decision on if they're just going to literally just uh, accumulate all their forces and just go at this guy in one big, um, you know, one big final battle to try to stop him from taking control of these rail guns at the ring gate there. And she is getting... Um, she's getting, all of her advisors are essentially telling her, yeah, let's all, let's throw this all together and go for it. And, uh, she's having doubts about that and, uh, and is really kind of questioning, um, what she, what she's supposed to do in this moment. This is obviously a big pivotal decision that she has to make there. She's having to trust, um, Holden essentially. So Holden, uh, just to hit that point too, Holden and her argue about the bigger picture, essentially, where Holden is saying, there's this mass energy threshold that if people go beyond the ring gates a certain a number of times or with a certain mass of energy through the ring gates, that they just disappear. That these um, these aliens come. I don't, I don't know if they're aliens. These, I don't know, these organisms just completely deteriorate them and, and, and kill them there. And it's like this, uh, you never really know when it's going to hit, when that mass energy threshold is going gonna, is gonna to hit. And that he was thinking that they need to tell Marco um, and that, because this is like a bigger problem than what this war is, you know, potentially. Um, and they argue about that, but what did you think of Abbas Ralla's arc with having to deal with, uh, whether or not to kind of go all out against Marco here and, uh, and, and trying to figure out whether or not to, to tell Marco or not.
1: Yeah. So Christian in, in this episode, um, she, she has her advisors, right. Um, uh, that she, that she tends to talk to, but I think, It goes to show where she puts Bobby, where she puts Holden um, in her her mind and how she has these feelings of things that she should be doing. And she needs people to be able to tell it to her straight. Even if she disagrees with them, she just needs the people that will say what they feel and mean it without having to uh, basically, you know, like kiss her ass about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when she's talking to Bobby, she really wants Bobby to tell her like what she should do. And when Bobby's like, look, we need, to, we need to fight, we gotta do this thing. Um, and she says, go do something else. Uh, it's because you know her, her ego's a little bit bruised, but she knows she's right. Mm-hmm. And that energy leads her into the Holden conversation, which when we're talking about the, the, the ring and the weird stuff that can happen with that, uh, this, this whole energy mass threshold that Holden tells her, he's basically saying this affects people. This isn't just, this isn't just a random thing. Um, And and you can tell Avicerala is like, well, I have this war problem. I'm not really worried about this because it's not gonna trump my war problem. And whereas Holden is still thinking beyond he's, Christian isn't where he is yet. Uh, Cause he's like, we can tell Marco, maybe he'll change. And she's like, you think he's just gonna lay his arms down? And so mm-hmm. she still doesn't have that belief that there is more, that, that even though she's changed uh, with people, she doesn't believe that Marco is capable of that same change that she has. So if you compare Marco and Christian as, as leaders, they make a good foil. Um, and then Holden, uh, as he talks to her, is just kind of talking about drummer because, because she, she asked about Drummer and then what Drummer could do for for the people, because she's looking she's looking for that uniting force. She's mm-hmm. looking for that. And we have that great callback to the pilot where she talks about the belter that she put up on the hooks. Mm-hmm. And so you see that Christian recognizes where she's come from, just as we have been recognizing where she comes from. And I think that's why she does go to people like Holden. She does go to people like Bobby because she knows where she's been. Right. And People who supported her were okay with where she was, but she needs people who are visionaries who will look to the future and help her see that future and realize that future that she wants for the system.
0: Absolutely. Um, so it goes from it goes from that. Uh, the next the next kind of character plot point I wanted to talk about was Philip. So um, and we're back on the Pella. The Pella is celebrating after their their big railgun victory and kind of their. Uh, their show of force uh, against the UN, um, and they're celebrating with some liquor and stuff like that. And then Philip finds out that Tadeo is not at his station, and he's been put in the equivalent of the brig on the Pella for uh, trying to send a tight beam to find out what happened to his brother, who was on series with that whole bombing situation that happened. Um, and because that could potentially give away their position, they put him in uh, in ship jail, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and he goes to visit him and, and kind of you can see that he's really empathizing with his plight and he knows how much his brother means to him. And that's a really hard situation there. So I, he, I think he knows why he's been put in there, but he, uh, he he has a lot more empathy for him than obviously Marco or or Rosenfeld do in that situation because he's been working with him there. Um, and uh, it's towards the end of the episode that he goes on his behalf to send a tight beam to find out what happened to his brother, only to find out that his brother was killed by the bombing on Ceres. And then we find out that Tadeo, under Marco's order, planted the bombs that uh, he was told were only going to be for uh, for UN, uh, Martians and and Earthers, uh, to stop Earthers on Ceres. But he he obviously uh, blew them up with everybody there, with the Belters there dying as well. And this really highlighted Philip um, seeing the end result of Marco's manipulation and that he doesn't really care about Belters like he claims to and... Um, I think this was a, a kind of really big eye-opening moment for Philip in this moment there. But what did you think of his arc with uh, with him and Tadeo there, and then Tadeo finding out about his brother, and and kind of Philip seeing the boots on the ground impact of his father's leadership.
1: Tadeo is an example of an actor doing a lot with the little. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually really appreciated his character um, in in these couple episodes, and the the regret of killing one's brother uh, without that being the goal just because he thought that he was living this, this revolutionary life and him seeing part of the harsh reality of what they've gone with and the, the weight that he has to bury and Philip being someone who didn't want to feel things right. He didn't want to feel the regret. He, he drowned himself in alcohol and women and um, you know, he lashed out at his dad. He lashed out at the crew. He's, he's done all these things where he's trying to like, deny what he's really feeling mm-hmm. about this war and what he's really feeling about his father. This connection that he had with Tadeo, which was a real human connection, it when he opens the the door to the cell and he just holds this guy that he hasn't known long um, while he cries over his guilt. Philip has that I think that's that part of Naomi that exists with him, within mm-hmm. him. Um, you know, Marco it, all his passion and stuff. You know, we talked about how Philip had his this is war line and all that um, and how he was channeling his father's energy. I think scenes like this where he's with Tadeo, that's where we see the Naomi in him. That's where yeah. we see this is someone who cares about other people and and does things for people that he doesn't have to, but if he cares, he still will. Yeah. And so you can tell that that is haunting him and it's sticking with him. And, and again, I uh, it's it's funny because like at the end of last episode I was like oh he's there he's solid he knows what he's doing because he made his decision and then I see this I'm like dang he's got he's still got that he's <laughs> yeah it's a little bit a little bit He's yeah. still got him um, so I I appreciated these scenes for sure
0: yeah absolutely and and I wanted to talk about um we we she's. I think her role in this episode was pretty much pep talks, but Bobby, I put, I wrote down Bobby pep talks are the best between she, her talking to Abbas Rala. And then this scene that I wanted to get to here with Bobby and Amos. So if we remember from last episode, Amos um, realizing he losing a little bit of faith in Holden's leadership after his decision to not um, destroy the Pella when he had the opportunity, he's now kind of off on series. I think he's on series. Yeah. He's off on series and he's drinking, um, at a bar and kind of uh, at a brothel which we heard from him talking to Bobby earlier is kind of his MO when he's on Sirius that's kind of what he does and uh, he's there and he's kind of just drinking and whoring himself um, to escape the um, the the knowledge and stuff and, and try to figure out whether or not he wants to even go back uh, and in that moment Bobby finds him and kind of starts talking to him about her experience as a soldier and uh, they it's very analogous in that there are these higher powers that are operating and that are uh, kind of telling you what to do and telling you who to shoot and telling you like all these different things. And, and he's, he's wondering how she's able to, um to come to grips with those decisions and, and find out, you know, what, what to really do in those situations. And she said, the only thing you can do is just fight for the person next to you. And that's really all that comes down to. There's no way for, he's like, how do you know what you're doing is right? And she's like, well, I know that I love, I love this person next to me and I'm going to fight for that person. And, uh, She's the only one, much like I talked about in the last episode, where it was uh, Clarissa talking to Holden in that moment that's able to kind of say the exact thing he needs to hear um, from the exact person that needs to tell him. Uh, Bobby is that person for Amos, where she's the uh, the person that needs to tell him that, and that kind of gives him his reason to go back and continue fighting there. But what did you think about that scene? It's a really big character moment um, for, for Amos, and, and it kind of leads to both of their decisions on what they're, what's going to happen in that final episode.
1: So what was really cool about this part with to me was you saw some of that darkness that amos used to have um mm-hmm. i think i think we had kind of gotten used to amos being a little bit of that like deadpan humor guy who's gonna do the thing that needs to be done um we hadn't seen that darkness in him in a long time i feel like mm-hmm. uh, and in this just with the way that uh, the darkness was kind of like over his face, uh, you could tell that he was haunted a little bit by the stuff that had to happen and how he was confused and rethinking things um, and how hard that was. Uh, but I think that's why partnering him with Bobby was so genius because Bobby has had those feelings before, right? Like when when Mars was uh, you know everything to her and then, all of a sudden, the gates opened and people were like, "Well, we can abandon Mars. We can go elsewhere." he mm-hmm. um, had to deal with like, "Who am I as this super Martian when people are leaving Mars? Is the dream of Mars dead? What am I gonna do?" Yeah, and, um, and then it's like she didn't. She she helped him say like she was like, "Our grandkids are gonna be fighting this war." So like, is what we're doing matters? You mm-hmm. know, um, and so they kind of commiserate for a little bit. And just kind of deal with the fact like, yeah, this is, this is a rough beat that we're in right now. Um, and so I, I really liked that element of things. Uh, but what's cool is Bobby does remind him, like, look, it's you and your crew. It's it's the people that you're here with. Cause if if they're fighting for you and you're fighting for them, like that's what you got. Yeah. And if you can do that, then you'll be okay. And, and that kind of reminds Amos, like recenters him and it's like, all right, Holden got us into this crap, but you know what, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, And, and I got to say, I kind of like that little ambiguous scene at the end uh, of of that scene where he's like, all right, cool. We're going to the brothel. Um, And she's like, she's like, she says, I think with you or with you. Right. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? And I like that they leave it ambiguous of, like, did they hook up or did they just go to the brothel? Uh, he's just like, whatever. Uh, it was it was good because it's like it, it doesn't ultimately matter. It's not like this giant character thing, uh, mm-hmm. but it kind of highlights where these two characters have been and what what they could do. So I, I think they have magic when they're together.
0: Yeah, and I, I do I do want to talk a little about this scene, too, because this is probably one of the things I was a little more critical of was that interaction. I thought it was great. I thought they they – I thought – so, I guess what I mean when I say criticism is this this was the scene where I really felt the shortness of the season because it really felt like um it felt like these different character arcs were being meshed together. So, and and people that re- people that read the books and and um or that have read you haven't read the full series yet, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, people that have read the full series may I may be totally off base here, but um this to me felt like a scene that with Bobby talking to Amos about, you know, who to fight for the man next to you and stuff. It felt like a scene that was supposed to be Alex. Uh, It it felt like a scene that like was supposed to be Alex. And the reason I say that is because what really felt unnatural to me in this scene was he tells her that Holden disarmed the nuke uh, to, to hit the Pella. And I thought her reaction didn't make any sense to me because I thought what was going to happen is he was going to say that. And when he looks over, she's gone. And I figured she was on the warpath because she uh, I feel like that would have enraged her that he decided to not take out the pillow when he had the opportunity. And I thought she was going to heavily confront him about that. And I think I think if this was a longer season, that would have been part of that uh, finding that there. And um, so when it when when those things kind of coalesced, I couldn't help but feel that way because her reaction felt so different from what I would have expected from Bobby because she's seeing all the top level with her being with Avasarala, she's seeing all the top level impacts of Marco and the fact that if he gets to that ring gate it's all over and the fact that Holden had the opportunity to end that um, and didn't, I thought when Bobby told her that I thought she was going to be out because they they he says it and they do a push in on his face and then I thought when they cut over she wasn't going to be sitting there and I was going to go, oh Holden, Holden needs to go hide or something but she was there and then she again talked him into like that thing. And I get why you have to have that. One, obviously you don't have Alex in the show anymore. So like you can't have that be there. And then two, everything's kind of pushed into these six episodes. And this kind of has to be Amos has to get back on the Rossi and you have yeah. to have him get back on the Rossi. So I understand the necessity of it. But this was the first time I think in the in the season where I, I felt I felt that shortness and I felt like, oh, these feel like they it, it should have breathed a lot longer than it did but I understood kind of why it was there. Did you feel that in the scene at all? Or did you feel anything off or, or maybe I just kind of read into it a little too far?
1: Well, you know what I will say is to your point, as soon as you said that felt like an Alex moment, I was like, okay, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Cause like, I do like the scene. I do like those two characters together. Um, uh, The, the criticism that I will throw out is you do feel the brevity. I think that, Amos being a little lost from Holden, we don't have the room for it, mm-hmm. right? Because after this, there's only one more episode. Right. I think even if there had been like eight episodes in the season and we get like another episode of Amos is like, what am I, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that could have hit a little yeah. bit harder uh, to that point. And I, I also agree with you that uh, Bobby as fired up as she is, especially with how she was talking to Avasarala in this episode alone, Uh, I'll I'll give you I'll give you that for sure yeah Um, she seemed kind of
0: like she seemed kind of like oh well he did he did what he did kind of thing and I just remember thinking like what like I felt like Bobby of anybody would have just been because she was almost about to fight Holden for having Clarissa on the ship (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and in that moment when she got the shot off when she was the whole reason why they even had the pellet in that position and and she was the whole reason that happened And then to have him deactivate the nuke at the last minute, I thought Holden better go hide because Bobby is coming for him. And when that when that didn't happen, and then I started questioning why it didn't happen. And it did, like uh, that that felt like um, the whole thing about fight for the person next to you is is obviously something that Alex could he fought for the Mars Navy and stuff uh, when he was you know before, and that that felt like something that he would have said potentially. So I don't know, like maybe I was just kind of like hindsight, um, kind of you know backseat quarterbacking it and thinking like oh this might have might have hit better but it did like i said i did kind of feel the brevity there um so yeah we talked about amos and bobby there and then i think uh the last arc was really um drummer so drummer is trying to deliver the supplies to uh series with uh with ava there she's getting a lot of pushback because everyone's so like terrible to belters <laughs> Um, And then Avasarala comes in and essentially gives her the green light to come and deliver the supplies in. Um, And when she does that, uh, she goes to her ship where Joseph is recovering. Joseph is recovering after his arm thing, and he's having a really tough time and a really tough recovery with the arm there. And Drummer has to make this decision. Well, actually, Michio makes the decision um, that she's going to stay with Joseph. They're going to stay on on series under the control of the U.N., and, uh, and that they're going to essentially take themselves out of the fight. And they know Kamina would never do, would never do that. Drummer's never going to take herself out of the fight. So this was a, a arc where Drummer's finally given away her entire family. She has nothing now. And I think that was, uh, that was a great arc for her in this season because it sets up the decision she's about to make where everything's been stripped away from her. She's probably as vulnerable as she's ever been in the entire series. And uh, there's a seri- scene between her and Naomi where Naomi comes just at that moment when she's probably at her lowest point and starts to starts to tell her much shades of what Bobby told Amos, which is you just have to fight for the person next to you. Like, you know, like uh, you uh, the only thing we can do is just fight for the people that we love. And uh, that was a really great scene with her and Naomi, where it's about bearing the hatchet, And that's when eventually leads to the ultimate decision to the end of the episode where she joins Ava Sarala. But uh, what did you think about drummers, uh, drummers arc in this episode uh, between her, the pushback that she gets from the UN delivering the supplies and, and kind of the, um, the bureaucracy there and about her eventual uh, losing of her family and her decision to join Avasarala after Naomi's uh, uh, discussion with her.
1: Yeah. The um, so when drummer uh, goes to series and she waits in line, uh, I, I really enjoyed the fact that she waited in line because it felt like something that Marco wouldn't do. Uh, and, and how the other belters were like, no, go ahead. Like, you are important in this scenario. Um, and it just showed me it was it was like a little thing. But to me, it just showed that belt, uh, that uh, drummer was one of the people uh and that she didn't feel comfortable trying to make herself seem bigger than she was which is exactly why she's the right person to lead the belts um and so i I like that it was it was short simple but to me it was a very effective little character moment but for me that conversation between naomi and drummer uh is is the highlight i like the joseph and michio scene i like that michio decided hey we're finally going to stay joseph's uh not going to Get his arm fixed like this. It's gonna to have to be something different. You need to do this, and and it's basically uh, not to not to romanticize this, but drummer, you're the chosen one. You're mm-hmm. the one who has been built up for this from Ashford, uh, Ashford, from Liang Walker, from your time on Medina Station, um, Fred Johnson, once, uh, Fred Johnson, mm-hmm. everything has led you to this. And losing the family is the last little piece. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, to, to give it like a Harry Potter reference, right? It's like Harry going into the forest to face Voldemort and he drops the resurrection stone. His family's gone and it's just him, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is her dark forest that she has to walk by herself. Yeah. And so uh, when, she, when she goes there uh, and then she's talking with Naomi, uh, with Naomi, and she has to like just be straight up with her. She's like, don't hide this from me. This is this is why you came here. You want me to be that person in the belt. Uh, you know, Holden wants you to tell me that. Alvis Rolla wants Holden to tell you to tell me that. Mm-hmm. I I know that. Um, but you can tell that drummer still loves Naomi, even after everything. And that's yeah. why it's so hard. She she lost part of her family because she chose the Dante. Uh, She, you know... Joseph and me and Michio are gone, and you're asking me to do this hard thing to to partner up with these people who had oppressed my people after everything we've been through. But you asked me to do it, yeah. And I'm in this position where I can do something, and I can I can make that change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I'm gonna do it my way, but I can make that change. Um, and and it's hard, and it's a very raw scene, and and when she just, you know, says F you to Naomi, but you can tell that it's because of how strongly she feels. Yeah. What a loaded scene, I love that. And and Naomi obviously is withholding and can't reciprocate that feeling, but Naomi knows. And and I I think there's that uh, mutual connection there. Uh, But every part of Drummer's scenario feels a little bit tragic for her um, but it's tragic because she has to have tragedy to know how to lead this belt um, which does lead to uh, what I think is the first meeting uh, between uh, Ava Sarala and, and Drummer in the entire first in person yeah um, which I can't believe it, it happened in the second to last episode of the entire series because it's a big two... solar
0: system <laughs> so <it's... laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but when when they shake hands at the end of that scene I'm like all right, this if, if there's any two people that can get Marco out of here and then connect the belt to theirs, to, mm-hmm. it's going to be Avasarala and, and Drummer.
0: Yeah, so, and it's, it's uh, really fitting. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I, I, just, I just think it works. Uh, and then Drummer has that line where she's like, are you going to remember the, the Belters who bled for this? Mm-hmm. And it, it was just great
0: yeah uh it really highlights uh i think what was really poetic about them meeting and this kind of coming down to those two characters is uh we've already talked about christian's like uh arc from the beginning of the series and um it they've been i think the foils have been really between christian and drummer because drummers kind of had the antithesis uh, arc in her journey where um it was hating earthers not wanting to work with anybody literally like uh like She was even going against Fred Johnson a lot of the times whenever he was trying to work with people, even though he was doing it for the OPA and the belt and stuff like that. And I think to your point that you said was a really good point there was that she was built for this. Like This was like her... Uh, she was the only one that could really do this. She was, like you said, the chosen one. And the reason why is because if any of those if any of the situations that have happened to her in this series don't happen, she doesn't make this decision right now. So if she doesn't um, have her experiences with Fred Johnson, where he's trying to be diplomatic and work with people um, and, and, and kind of fight with the OPA, she doesn't do this. If, um, if she doesn't have the relationship with Naomi that she has, that's been strengthened and seeing Naomi as a belter, uh, work out with the Rossi and, and have that kind of uh, coexistence with all these people from different walks of life on there as like an example or model. She doesn't make that decision. If she doesn't have her family, if she has her family with her and she doesn't lose all of her family and have to kind of question what, what, what we're, what we're fighting for. I don't think she makes that decision either. Like all of these things had to happen for her to get to the point where she finally says, OK, I, I I'll work with Christian to end this, you know, um, the stuff with Marco and all that stuff. So I thought what was so great about that was her arc and Avasarala's arc literally going in opposite directions, but meeting in this last moment here and them kind of coming to that uh, that truce um, for the greater good. So I think uh, it's been such a great series arc for her and avisarala to have them. Had them kind of finally do that handshake at the end felt very, very satisfactory, uh, especially considering all the sacrifices the drummers made to to get to that point. Um, I think that was I think that was all of the plot points from episode five here. So that should wrap that up. Uh, So, yeah, episode five, why we fight um i, I thought it was great here so i want to get your thoughts on episode five uh i know that they were very similar with episode four and we did feel like it was kind of two two uh, sides of the same coin um but what were your thoughts overall where do you think it ranks in the season and then at this point uh episode six was the last episode in the show and we were all just like okay there's one more left what were you thinking we were going to see in that final conclusion before you before we saw it
1: absolutely um so episode five to me uh overall did episode four's job better uh, mm-hmm. and, and I liked it more. So uh, if, we're, if we were looking at a ranking at that point, it would have gone three, two, five, four, one probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, think, I think it's because I really did enjoy all the character stuff in this episode a little bit more. Um, it was definitely like the final calm before the storm um, and and getting people into their chess positions uh, for that final c- conflict in episode six. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciated this episode for sure. Uh, the the things that I had in my mind at. This point, after seeing episode five, I was like, "Okay, so we've got this connection between the Belters and the Inners now, so we're obviously going to be doing a raid." Uh, was was my thought. I was like, "We have to figure out how everyone's going to work together and just fire at Marco with all they've got." So I was anticipating that being part of it. We were going to get some kind of final space battle um, mm-hmm. between the the Inners and the Belters versus the Free Navy. So that was the big part of it. Um, I I still was Thinking at this point that uh, Rosenfeld was going to play a role either, uh, you know, either a betrayal of Marco, um, not not like how Philip could do it, but more of like, she recognizes that Marco's done and she's gonna take the lead uh, sort of situation. Um, So I guess kind of what you were thinking Philip after episode four is what I was Mm -hmm. thinking was episode five. Um, Because when I saw how Philip responded to Tadeo's uh, brother's death, uh, I was like, I don't know if Philip can go through with it. He kind of actually was reminding me a little bit of Holden where he had all this gusto towards something and then he thought about another person and he might not be able to go through with it. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking at that end. Uh, at this point I still had no idea how they were going to finally like take Marco out and make it feel satisfying. Um, cause I was like, at this point who's going to do it? Um, but I did, I did feel really good about, um, previously when i first watched it about amos returning um because i was like at this point he's he's like I've, I've sunk so much into this that i'm gonna have to follow so i was anticipating uh, a conversation between amos and holden where he's like all right dude like i i hate what you did mm-hmm. but this is where we're at so we're in the trenches, so let's do it. And that's yeah. kind of where my mind was going for episode episode six. And then lastly, uh, I was like, okay, if we're talking about the these red ring beings, entities, whatever you want to call them, uh, I was like, they're going to play a role, but I was thinking that it was going to be something with Laconia. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe they were gonna try and es- like maybe Marco would try and escape to Laconia, uh, and maybe that would activate something. Um, like maybe the, the the ships would get attacked. Um, was was one of my thoughts uh, that I had, and that that was gonna be like Marco's like final move to like wear out people and like he was going to escape and live to see another day uh if that was how he was going to survive so i had all yeah. these kind of thoughts in my head like they, they've got to resolve marco but i don't know how to do it in a rewarding way yeah. and there's some stuff that's happening but i don't know how that's going to play out and i was just like all right we got chess pieces where are we going
0: yeah, it was uh, it was a lot. So I, it was it was one of those things. Uh, the one thing I I, I equated to, and I'll I'm, I'm not gonna take too long in this, but when I uh, when I first watched the show Lost on ABC, I mean, remember when I was younger, it was it, towards the end of that series because they had set up so many threads that towards the end of the series you were getting like one episode left, okay, or there's like two episodes left now, there's one episode left, and you started to get this pit in your feeling uh, pit in your stomach of like how are they gonna tie all this stuff <laughs> together in like this short amount of time. Um, so I, I started to feel that too, where I started feeling like, oh, wow, I can't really, I'm, I'm trying to like rack my brain and think of like how they're going to really resolve all of these conflicts in this. And we had talked earlier in the podcast on earlier episodes that we always thought the Laconia thing was not going to be resolved, that this was going to be a resolution of Marco and that the Laconia thing was always going to be this kind of open thread that was going to be like, maybe if they get funding or they get somebody else to jump on board, we have this like storyline that we can pick right up if that's the case. So we always kind of felt that that was going to be there. Um, So I wasn't thinking the Laconia thing was going to fully resolve, but I did think it was going to kind of rear its head and, and and really change things in the third, uh, the third and final act there. Um, I thought because these two episodes, there wasn't a really big battle or really big set piece that I was like, okay, there's going to be something huge for episode six, uh, really, really big, um, uh, action scene, uh, and, and consequential and, and high complex action scene. So, uh, I, I was expecting that that was going to happen. And I was, but I was also expecting that like, there was going to be pushback from, for Holden for his decision, either from Christian, if Bobby was going to tell Christian maybe about it or something like that, or, somehow that that decision was going to kind of come back up as well and i was expecting that holden was going to tight beam marco and tell him about the whole mass energy threshold thing because he was that would be he, cool that would be really cool he talked that he talked about that to avisarala and i thought okay he's going to go rogue and he's going to say the greater good of humanity is more important than like who controls the ring gates at this moment and i'm going to tight beam marco about that. So I was expecting that as well too. Um the last thing I'll say I was expecting was I didn't uh I didn't expect Rosenfeld to kill Marco, but I did expect that she was going to um become I think he had said that if if everything worked out she would be the governess of Medina station. And I thought that that was going to be an eventual thing for her because I thought she had such villain potential and that potentially if they did make another thing that she would be like the head of whatever that was um on the on the um antagonist uh, side of things. Uh, so I I thought okay there's because even in this episode uh, she was she was just being uh, like a complete badass <laughs> and yeah. I was I remember thinking like she's got such amazing villain potential so I was thinking that they were kind of building her up for that um, but that was really that was those were really my predictions going into episode eight um that that wraps up episode five. So we've got the final episode that we're gonna be covering here shortly. Uh, so guys keep an eye out for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we should be covering that shortly. I have some reviews and stuff up, uh, on the dismedia.com Also, if you guys are watching the HBO max show Peacemaker, we're doing discuss Peacemaker. We're having a lot of fun with that show. Um, so if you guys are watching that show, make sure to check out our after shows on the YouTube channel here or on the podcast discuss Peacemaker. Um, but do you have anything that you want to promo or anything, uh, anything you have going on right now?
1: Um, honestly, I want to I want to follow up and, and say definitely check out Peacemaker. Uh, that show uh, looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I'm I'm excited to go through that because I enjoy James Gunn. Uh, and and I'll be tuning in for for to mm-hmm. to listen to those as well. Um, and then I think after you and I do our. Um, our review of episode six Uh, I'm probably going to make my first video in a long time and just do a review overall of season six of the expanse uh, because I have seasons one through five all done on my YouTube channel on fate of the internet. Um, And so I just want to have that complete. So you guys can kind of look forward to that coming in the next week or so uh, to get my overall thoughts that I don't discuss on here. uh, If if there's something that I miss or uh, just a review of the whole series and just kind of how I felt about this really great sci-fi epic that we've been able to experience
0: yeah guys definitely check out fate of the internet it is linked in the description below he's gonna, he'll give you a more holistic breakdown of everything um from from season six which should be really fun uh but that's gonna wrap it up for us guys we will see you uh, in the next episode we'll get shot for the series finale and that's gonna be a wrap on the expanse unfortunately um, so we'll see you guys in that last episode it's gonna be really fun to break it down and uh and and we'll see you when you see you